accelerate change or lose. In this episode, I share my thoughts on the 2020 Virtual Air, Space, and Cyberspace Conference. I cover the keynote presentations from General Charles C.Q. Brown, Chief of Staff of the Air Force 22, and Chief Master Sergeant Joanne Bass, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force 19, as well as other senior leader panels that cover topics that are important to advancing the Air Force. Let's go. This is Constant Elevation, the show for rising Air Force and community leaders who seek to define the future. Learn powerful work and life tactics to tackle any challenge. I'm your host, Gabriel Gabrock Avila. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. Gabrock back on the mic once again, uh, enjoying a week of leave. Actually, I, I took this week, uh, the first three days, I took um, actually to, going to be the, the um, content of this episode is going to be my recap of the 2020 Virtual Airspace and Cyberspace Conference. And then for today and tomorrow, I'm taking leave because I was just kind of wanted to free up my time to focus on some of my personal projects and then also um, really taking some time to keep on marinating on this, um, on this subject matter. Um, this is going to be I did an episode like this last year where I covered my own personal thoughts of, of the the key points, what I thought of, of the um, uh, air, space, and cyberspace conference uh, put on by the Air Force Association. Last year, obviously, was I went to the National Harbor, had a day off, and actually went down there and attended the conference in person. It was awesome. And... Uh, um, and I think this year, uh, amongst the you know the COVID nineteen stuff, uh, the AFA did a good job of doing as much as they could, trying to make this thing a, a virtual event. And uh, I took advantage of it. I talked to my leadership and said, "Hey, so um, normally I I would ask for this time off and uh, as or not even time off, an alternate duty location." And so my chain of command agreed. And so I've been at home uh, dialing into the live events as well as some of the uh, on demand sessions. I will talk about that on this uh, this week's episode. Before I get into that, though, I have some really exciting news. Um, we've been keeping up with my newsletter as far as some of the content elevation news. Uh, my book, my book, No Pressure, But Don't Mess This Up. It's my personal take on officership and squadron command and how to approach it. Um, is going to be open for pre-order now. And so um, for my, uh, if you signed up for my newsletter, you actually had access one week earlier. And so I got a, I was already, already sold my first book. It's, it feels kind of odd to say that, but it's actually very, very exciting. I'm getting a lot of things ready in the background to make sure this launch um, uh, goes off as professionally as possible. But for now, we're doing pre-orders. The uh, physical softcover book's going to be available, at least it's the printer is telling me, by the end of this month or early next month. But if you'd like to learn more about my book, uh, No Pressure, But Don't Mess This Up, you can go to constantelevation.co slash no pressure. And if you want to pr uh, place a pre-order, um, you can go to uh, constantelevation.co slash shop, and you can place a pre-order there. Um, I'm selling not only, the, uh, um, not only the book, but I'm also selling some weird stickers just because I like stickers. And so I got these constant elevation. What can I do? How do I do this? I can't do this. Here we go. Constant elevation <laughs> um, uh, logo stickers. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it, but there are some stickers up there for sale as well. And so once I get the orders in, um, I'll be sending them out priority mail. Again, still tracking for the end of uh, this month or early next month. Um, I think the COVID-19 stuff has kind of put a, a, a kink into the over printing process, but I'm already there. And so looking forward to uh, releasing my passion project over uh, that I've been working over over a year and a half now. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a really good book. And so I think you're going to enjoy it. So again, uh, my, my new book, No Pressure, But Don't Mess This Up. It's a book on officership and squadron command. Um, please go to constantelevation.co and place your pre-order. Okay, cool. 
Now we're going to go into the content of this week. Again, the uh, virtual air and space and cyberspace conference. So um, one of the things, I, it was important that I did that. I didn't realize how much it was going to be important until all the uh, sessions started happening. I had to do some pre-reading. And what I did was I had to go find the Accelerate Change or Lose paper that General Brown wrote. And so it took me a minute to find it. But eventually, I found a lot of articles referencing it. But then eventually, I found it on AF.mil. And so it... You definitely need. You should read that first. If you if you haven't, um, if you if you're not, maybe you can. I think you can actually register for it still, and then go um, watch all the pre-recorded and recorded um, uh, sessions. I think it's important that as a as a starting point, you should read the accelerate change or lose because I think General Brown does a great job of setting the tone of where he wants to go. And so um, I'll read a couple things in here. So framing the problem, what I thought he does, uh, I'll read it verbatim. While the erosion of warfighting advantage impacts the entire joint force, it is particularly consequential to the, for the U.S. Air Force. So we must double our efforts to accelerate the changes necessary for our future success. The U.S. Air Force must adapt so that we can uphold our unique value proposition to the nation, the ability to provide strategic deterrence and employ global effects on near immediate timelines. And so the rest of the paper um, really goes into those kind of themes. And it's important because when you start hearing some of not only General Brown's session, but um, uh, when you go into the rest of the, even for the Space Force ones and Chief, uh, Chief Bass, there's definitely his, his theme is interwoven and everybody references back to, to that paper. So I highly recommend I'll put a link in the description, um, a link in the episode notes for this one so you can, uh, uh, you can download it and read it on your own. But I'm probably going to read it a couple times because I think it's just getting me. It get me. It got me into the mindset. Of, this is where my leadership wants to go. My leadership wants to go fast. It was kind of funny the way that General Brown put it. But he is looking. He understands. He's not going for the pace of change, a fast change of pace, for the sake of just changing. It's because he feels the pressure that the U.S. Air Force, if we don't keep up with the level of, if you want to call it innovation or just being a good airman, the way that we kind of think, we are going to potentially fall behind, maybe even dare say fall further behind near peer adversaries. And so we need to make sure that we uh, we keep that airman's uh, state of mind and try and push the limits as much as possible. And so accelerate, change, or lose, by all means, that's a a, a critical um, article I think you you should read. Again, I'll put those notes. You'll have the, li- uh, the link in the episode notes. All right, so moving in. So I'm not going to cover, I'm not doing this sequentially. I'm just going to cover some of the key live events that happened and my personal notes for those. And then I'll uh, do a quick summary of at least some of the side, the um, the pre-recorded seminars that I actually attended as well. Because those things are, um, um, and obviously I'm a, I'm a cyber uh, uh, professional, so I kind of lean towards those. But uh, I didn't watch them all. I watched a good handful of them, and I'm probably going to have to watch some of them again because I just think that... Um, while the overall production of each of these, uh, for the most part, was pretty good. You can kind of tell, like, as you're watching the AFA, uh, I don't want to call them the news team, but it was like the AFA editor and whatever. They are not, their their day jobs are not being like a news anchor where they're reading and kind of doing coverage, right? I'm pretty sure they they were either volunteered or voluntold to do this because of their prominent positions, but that's not their regular job. And so, and that's okay. But for the most part, I felt like the technology and the Zooms uh, helped as much as you could do it in a distant environment. Um, I will say that portions of this, of the recorded seminars, felt script. They were scripted. You could tell. Like I could see the. I could. I could distinctly tell that everybody was reading from a script to the point where they're even passing it to each other, and everybody was ready to hold, have like um, you know, take mute their mic, unmute their mic, go over their stories, and all those kind of things. And so it's fine. 
but that's not the same kind of magic that you get if you're alive and you had the panel sitting on the stage and they just started talking. It just it felt robotic at certain portions. But apart from that, um, that's where I made this comment. I was like, I just if if it's all scripted, just give me the script. That's all I want to see. And so um, and I can read it at my leisure and then make sure that I get the key points across. But that being said, that was the pre-recorded events. First, I'm going to talk about the live events. And so on day one. We had General Brown. Um, uh, I, I, everyone was looking forward to that, myself included. And so he, I'll say that he already, he already came out swinging because he started off his speech talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was like, sir, you have my attention. He's, he mentioned that Spider-Man's his favorite. He didn't mention if it's uh, Peter Parker or Miles Morales. But like he talked about Spider-Man, but then he shifted. And he talked about um, you know the Avengers and Endgame when they need to come together and put all of their superpowers and, uh, t- together, break up into teams. And then try and get after Thanos. And so uh, it really what he was talking about, and then he meant to mention of the Air Force doesn't have any Infinity Stones. We can't at- take advantage of the quantum realm, but we have to, to come together to shape the future. That was a key portion. That, that was an attention step. You already had it, sir, but now you have it even further. And so um, he even also he made a mention about... Uh, uh, he gave a shout out to General Raymond, the uh, uh, chief of space ops, and uh, he. I always appreciate any leader that kind of doesn't take themselves too seriously because he. He they went to uh, Air Command and Staff College together, and he, they flashed up a class picture of both of them when they had some hair, and then they. He said, "Yeah, so we both agree that hair is overrated now," and so it was. It's good to hear that while he knew that so many people were were going to be tuning in and paying attention to his words that he didn't take himself too serious oh he is he's obviously taking his job very seriously he doesn't take himself too seriously so that was that was really nice to see um he started talking about he referenced back again to his uh, accelerate change or lose paper and uh he started saying i want to go fast he he mentioned ricky bobby from talladega nights again if you're gonna keep on dropping movie references sir you're gonna have my attention and uh, um and so he, he mentioned that the Air Force has a window of opportunity to accelerate change. And I think it's important the way he has said those words. Window of opportunity, in my opinion, implies that it's going to close at some point in time. So he's trying to implant this sense of urgency where I want to go fast, I want to go fast. He understands that there's, a, there's, there's things going around us that we have to break, three, uh, break through some of our old um, legacy systems, legacy processes, because they're just not, they, they don't allow us, our, our adversaries, uh, our near peers, China and Russia arguably get past that. They've been accelerating a certain amount of uh, past us because they just don't operate like that. They don't have the bureaucratic layers or the 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 processes in between, and they've emerged, you know, as in their respective um, states of military. And the Air Force has to uh, be at that same pace. And so that's uh, he also said some of the accelerants to accelerate change or lose was the uh, national defense strategy, the stand up of the United States Space Force, uh, COVID-19 and then racial disparity. And so I like that idea where he saw you could see these as problems. You could see these as opportunities. That's a classic way that leaders, you know, uh, the good leaders see these things. They just see them as their opportunities for you to kind of accelerate certain things that you want to think about anyway. And then the good the, the right people, if you surround yourself with them, they're going to just even promote those things to get you the fast, the optimal solutions faster. And so that's a kind of, he's setting the tone that he wants everybody to have a voice, have a seat at the table, and really um, uh, be able to come up with solutions. He mentioned that like he likes going out into the field. He went over to, I think him and Chief Bass and the SecDef, they went to like Lackland, the gateway of the Air Force, as far as um, one of their first stops, because they're interested almost from the bottom up, trying to understand what are some of the, the issues and concerns on the front lines. That way they have that direct interaction, right? They, he mentioned something about 
a lot of times when inf information gets up to him, it gets filtered. And that's true. Like in a, in a hierarchical organization um, like the Air Force, information can will very much get filtered because people are going to start strapping on exactly what are their either not necessarily personal, but like their their professional interests. Right. Like, what, how can I make sure uh, our mission or our vision of things going on forward gets in, gets incorporated into this input? That way we get like a, we get to take advantage of this input going up. And so sometimes those things are not necessarily, they can be counter to the original intent of what the idea was. And so he's very interested, and I'm, I was always interested in his hearing up um, feedback from the front lines. That's why you get out, get off behind your desk and go out to the front lines and go talk to the airmen and just talk about whatever. You never know how some of, you build that sense of trust to where you're, you're a human being, you're a person. Yes, he is the highest airman in our chain of command. He's also a person. And so if he's asking you for, for um, uh, feedback, he wants to hear the feedback, and he's getting very surprised that a lot of the senior leaders, they were, um, they were surprised at how when they go out. I think the um, I forget who it was. One of the generals on one of the panels was talking about yes. Yeah, so when I was a lieutenant, and if a three star asked me a question, I would like freeze up. I would have no idea. I'd be thinking about that question, or I, I I wouldn't be sure how to prepare for that. Nowadays, if a three star asks a lieutenant a question or an airman a question, they'll give the answer straight off the top of their head with no. But hopefully with some, with some uh, um, deliberate uh, thinking. But they're not afraid to share their thoughts, and that's very refreshing for their perspective. And we need to take advantage of those things. And so um, those were all kind of like the, the, the why um, uh, General Brown wanted Accelerate, Change, or Lose. So he covered the why, and then he, he dove into the what. And he, he has four action orders. The way that it was really easy to remember, it's A, B, C, D. Very, it, when he mentioned it, I was like, man, that's the same thing as my leadership philosophy. But that's okay. His, his is a different reason and, and arguably um, his maybe is better, uh, um, more well thought out. So A, B, C, D. Again, uh, action orders from the general. So uh, airmen. So he wants to be able to have starting at training and recruiting doing talent management and building leaders. Um, he wants to enable trust at all levels of command and empower airmen with confidence. And this building, um, that, that's nothing uh, new, right? But the idea of focusing on the individual airmen is going to be something that, because that's, that, that's where those, those, those um, uh, creative thoughts those ideas in order to come up with solutions that just kind of that weren't part of the normal kind of processes that uh, kind of come up, but trying to unlock those things that way airmen can feel comfortable in sharing those ideas and making sure that they're contributing to the mission overall. Bureaucracy, B. So uh, communicate to break down barriers and drive to decisions. Uh, information is often filtered and shouldn't be. What I'm doing is I'm reading my notes. So um, we must have the meeting after the meeting in the meeting to become more efficient. That was pretty cool. He, he mentioned how like, you know, have this formal thing, everybody sitting at the table and then they'll go through the agenda. And almost like this happens at the conference too, where you're kind of sitting there and then you open up the floor to questions or you have like, um, you over, uh, uh, go around the room or something like that. And nobody really says anything. And then you end the meeting or you end the panel. And then the conversations in the hallway immediately start to happen. And it's like, why did you guys talk about that during the meeting? Like I, I, I try to set those conditions. And so he, that's where he says the meeting after the meeting needs to happen in the meeting. There's no like, why are we holding ourselves back from sharing our thoughts, sharing our perspectives, bring it all to the table because we can't, we are going to, we won't be able to accelerate change fast enough if you are afraid to come up with your ideas, present your ideas right at the table when you're given that opportunity. So I really thought that was a, a good way that he talked about trying to slash through some of the bureaucracy. 
Um, he also mentioned we must be able to communicate externally with our allies and industry partners faster to become a more agile force. So this was a, I I saw maybe just because I'm a cyber guy and I saw like a underlying theme between everything. The underlying theme I, I heard is that information and data are the most important things that we need to leverage if we're going to accelerate change. Um, and that's that's no easy feat, but that's definitely what we're talking about. It was not it was not built on a new platform. It was not built on a new weapon. It was built on, or even just a a a, a complex method of um, war fighting. It was just the reliance and importance on information and data. And this goes into both during conflict and during what did I write? Hold on a second. It's during conflict and during uh, competition. I think that's what it is. And so the idea is making sure that how do we, if we're going to have, um, if we're going to accelerate change, how do we be able to uh, increase our OODA loops, increase or shorten, I should say, shorten our decision loops, shorten our OODA loops to be like, how do we make uh, smarter decisions with the right information at the right time? A lot of that's going to be leveraging uh, data that can be freely shared, both inter hopefully internal to the ex into the Air Force, obviously, but then also to our industry partners and to our, our allies, uh, you know, being able to share those things and being... Um, they talked about the advanced um, battle management system. That's the idea of like you have just this huge uh, pool of data that can be run, analysts can be run against it, and then you can make uh, more informed decisions. You're not the machine's not making the decision; it's just getting you faster to some of those decisions. And so that idea and reliance on data, I, I was very very paying attention to because I think I have to figure out ways and how to make the work within our, our workspaces in JVXU Doden. Uh, okay, moving on. C competition. We need to understand our connection to the mission and competition to our adversaries. We need to improve our approach, take some risk, and compete. Um, he also had a good quote. Uh, I think it's from, um, this might have been from General Mattis. I don't know if it was General This is one of the ones. Uh, leadership without risk are called managers. We don't need more management. We need more leaders. It's a really good quote. Make totally makes sense. Risk is needed to compete at the right place at the right time. And our PME must have a better and deep understanding of our adversaries so we can act plan and act accordingly. That's pretty good. So competition. So it's almost like understanding, uh, understanding ourselves, obviously, and then understanding our adversaries and how they, what, what is their deep mindset? He mentioned a little bit about making sure we have some depth of knowledge within the force to make sure we have the right people that can anticipate how our adversary fights. Just, you know, China and Russia have been studying us for a long time. I'm reading a, this is a, I saw this book come up a couple of times. So The Kill Chain by Christian Bros. Reading that book now, I almost was wanted to binge this entire book and not record today, but I, I wanted to get my episode out as well. But the idea of how our near near peer competition with China and Russia, how do we prepare? How does the how is the Air Force prepared to take on that fight? Arguably, he says we're not, and that's why he's trying to he's trying to push us to go a little bit more, a little bit faster, maybe a little bit more uncomfortable than we are. But we have to do that for the sake of national security. So that's what he was really talking about under competition. And then D was design implementation. Uh, my notes I took, make tough decisions to invest in the right right platforms to meet our adversaries and force generation and force presentation model for us to easily understand and implement within the joint force. Okay, so the latter point I think he's talking about is making sure how do we, how does the Air Force present all of our capabilities, right? And so we have we have air, air space inside. We still have some space capabilities with our aircraft. I think, I don't know if they're going to be an Air Force platforms or they're Space Force platforms. Anyways, the, the, um, partnering with the Space Force and understanding how that a presentation of um, effects can be presented to the Joint Force and the Joint Commander 
as well as just understanding how the air domain we're responsible for. And uh, we're an enabler, right? We're a global enabler. And so how do, how do we make sure that we are being really good teammates um, to the entire joint force, understanding where our, uh, our core capabilities are? And then also, he, this was mentioned of our other several panels as well, uh, making tough decisions to invest in the right platforms. So what that means is potentially we need to walk away from these legacy things that have just been eating away at our budget, eating away at things of like, arguably, we keep on just kind of uh, trying to buy new things or maybe attach a little um, technological uh, advances on older platforms. We might have to just scrap it. I was having the same um, kind of discussion at work it's uh we're talking about one of our databases or one of our uh, task tracking systems and it's like well what's going to be more um my analogy that i have what's well, much more important right now should we just keep on taking this old car into work and just kind of fixing it fixing it every two months or something like that but just trying to make it stay alive or do we just go and buy a new car which one is going to be the the more cost efficient and when i say cost i don't necessarily mean money i also mean time what is the more cost efficient solution that actually helps us enable operations versus just getting by and to to general brown's point i don't want to just get by i want to i want to surpass that i want to get get past what some of our legacy processes are and really advance where we need to go and so design implementation so those were his uh, um, his four action orders airmen bureaucracy, competition, and design implementation. Um, towards the end, uh, he talked about riding the wave of change. Don't fight it. We need to come together with our superpowers, and we need to get this right because we might not get another shot. Again, another reference to Captain America's speech in Avengers. So as far as speech delivery, uh, General Brown, it was, Chief Brown was awesome. It was the idea that like he, 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 he bookended it with some Marvel things to kind of keep, at least for me anyway, kept my attention. But then the meat of the, of the actual presentation was, was amazing. And so I'm going to keep on, I'm going to reread his, uh, accelerate change or lose uh, paper as well as, um, kind of go over, um, if he does release more things on his, uh, um, ABCDs. Uh, and so I'll, I'll keep pay attention to those. So here's my, I, I wrote down the key takeaway. Our top leader wants us to change and evolve because we need to change to outpace our adversaries as the world's greatest air force. We need to remain airmen at heart that push the limits of our assigned missions as a service and a joint force through the creativity and ingenuity within the diversity of our ranks. Don't fight the wave of change, ride it, accelerate change or lose. So again, there's a lot of stuff. He talked about just the, he talked about where the Air Force needs to go um, as far as being um, an external partner, but then was also really concerned. And I think Chief Bass had the same thing um, with her uh, um, uh, panel as far as like investing in airmen and understanding the airmen are the most important piece we need to focus on. So um, moving on to uh, uh, Chief Bass's uh, section. So she, uh, um, again, a very well thought out and it seemed a very personal, personally um, uh, delivered speech or seminar, whatever you want to call it. And it was good. Um, recognizing, obviously, was talking about she had a really good she uh, weaved in some personal stories for some of the things that she was going out for not necessarily her personal stories, but personal stories from the airmen out there. I think it's important to kind of how she's showing stories as far as all the airmen uh, have come from different backgrounds that have different stories. So why not share those stories? And that's very important. And I think it's good for a, um, a leader at her level to kind of bring things back down to reality to be like, yeah, so it's not, we're not going to try and show the only stories at the top and what it means to her. She really wants to showcase some of the great things that the airmen are doing out there. Um, 
She meant she talked about uh, the reason why we are the best Air Force in the world is because of our backbone. It's our NCO core, and I and I, I was taught that early on, and I firmly believe in that. That um, uh, uh, the airmen as they grow up, and then you start them putting on to become an NCO. There's exciting things that happen with that, and arguably so. I, I look forward to those ranks, staff sergeant, tech sergeant, more so than any other rank there because they're at that precip, uh, prep, prep, I don't know what word I'm trying to say. But they're at, they're, at, they're at that line where they're, they're are, um, much better about getting uh, still technically um, uh, uh, adept and still learning about things, but also getting some, some early um, management uh, experiences. And so the NCO core is definitely what makes our Air Force the strongest out there. Um, so she had three, peop- three uh, uh, focus areas, uh, people, readiness, and culture. So people, um, she talked about how do we effectively and deliberately manage our talent? How do we develop our airmen using multiple techniques? In other words, like kind of looking at with COVID, um, how does that how does that change things? Because certain things you don't necessarily do PME in a classroom. Could you do something distant? Could you do something where maybe you have a one-on-one mentorship kind of uh, solution? There's different ways to develop our airmen. And then how do we keep up with the dynamic changes of the world? She's very, um, she answered a couple questions as far as like, what are the, and she, she didn't answer them directly because I think the policy is going to come out soon as far as like, uh, uh, life things right and so like cdc availability on on base and what does that mean um uh i think she gave a early warning about like the tax deferral thing making sure that people have she mentioned something about being um physically mentally spiritually emotionally and fiscally ready that's the first time i heard someone say ever need to be fiscally ready but i think it's good that she's understanding that like it's not an afterthought it's a deliberate thing of that's something that is uh, especially with COVID-19, people are going to be stressed about. So how do we incorporate that also into some of the things and that go into specifically for readiness, right? And so being, uh, she, she equated resiliency to, uh, uh, to readiness. I can, I can see that. And so, um, uh, resilience is readiness and readiness breeds culture. That's what the, one of the quotes you had on our slide deck. And so we, Part of this is we just we have to be ready for the high end fight, and that's again calling back to uh, General Brown's uh, comments as far as the Air Force needs to be ready for these high end fights. And part of that is making sure our the readiness of the force is important, all the way from training and then continuous training, but then also just as a recognizing us as individuals and people how do we make sure we're mentally mentally ready and we can have that. Uh, I want to I don't necessarily believe a work life balance, but how do you get those things all accounted for that way when the flag goes up and we need everybody to be all hands on deck we're ready and get as much people as ready to meet those challenges uh, as as much as possible so readiness was her second point and then finally her third point was a uh, culture she said culture is who we are and who we want to be um, it's going to take all of us to build our culture. And when I was really getting, she was uh, getting into that inclusiveness kind of thing, right? Culture is not going to be, I think it's nice because she's not, even though we're in the Air Force, the preponderance of the Air Force is not, are not pilots. I heard that in another panel as well. And so just immediately try and draw that the pilot culture is should be prevalent everywhere in the Air Force doesn't even make sense. It's part of it, definitely. But it's not the overarching culture that kind of defines everything. All of us have different ones. If you're in the med group, the maintenance group, CE, security forces, communicators, like all of us have individual cultures because of just our function. And those are important. We should preserve those. But then building the overarching culture for the Air Force, all of us need to have a hand in that. And we should. So that degree of of, um, inclusivity is important. Then she made a really good quote uh, 
Diversity is asking someone to the dance and inclusion is asking someone to dance. So it's not only the idea of trying to set the conditions, be like, hey, we're all here. We have different things and and we're here at the table. But unless you don't take advantage of it and do something with it, it doesn't really matter. So that 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 extra step of making sure you take action to take advantage of the diversity of thought within your in your teams is very, very important. And so um, don't talk about it. Be about it. I really like that. So the key, one of the key takeaways I wrote down for her is leadership does not come out of an AFI. Uh, get to know your airmen and take action on what you know is right. And so she she shares some um, some stories as far as airmen, some airmen making mistakes, yet um, their the work uh, the work ethic and workload that they output that they had should outshine any sort of um, overcoming some of the mistakes that were made. Arguably, and some of the mistakes you were talking about were not even when they were airmen. It happened before they even joined the air force. And so, um, but the idea of looking at individual people, and if, if you know deep down that this person, the person is someone we need to retain in the Air Force, we need to do the leaderships need, the leaders at those specific levels need to take action to make sure that we retain that talent. Not because of, and not just kind of fall victim, well, the process says X, Y, Z, like, no, this is the right airman we need to keep because he or she has that right mindset we want to retain in the force. Um, there, there was mention about like, we're not interested necessarily in, uh, using the word retention, I think it's a development of airmen. If you consistently develop airmen, consistently make them into and want that you want by investing in them, investing in the, in the airmen, they're going to then want to stay in the air force. So you don't have a retention problem. You, it, arguably you're just what you're, you're focusing on just developing them, developing them to where the airmen themselves kind of see the return on investment and therefore they want to stay and they don't look for those, those, those easy doors out. There are going to be airmen who are out there like that, but like for the majority of them, we want to retain the talent that wants to stay on the air force. Uh, I, I tell airmen that all the time, you know, for certain reasons, they need to leave the air force family reasons, or they just only had a certain amount they wanted to serve good on them. I'm not mad about that at all. But as far as they always have the things that they're going to miss about the Air Force and those are the kind of things that like hopefully they might be strong enough that it actually will remain in the Air Force when those decisions to reenlist or um, or continue to compete as an officer uh, um, stay there. So those are all important as far as developing the culture of a strong airman that I want to serve next to. Um, yeah, so that was really good. So both uh, General Brown's and Chief Bass's speeches were were spot on, and I highly recommend. If they're, I don't know if you're gonna be able to get them just on like YouTube or something like that, but if not, register for free and then watch those panels. By all means, those two are, are worth it. Um, I did listen to uh, General Raymond and Chief Toberman, so they're the uh, Chief of Space Ops and as well as the uh, um, Senior Enlisted Advisor in United States Space Force, and so uh, it was pretty cool. A lot of things that they were talking about is. Um, kind of the summary pieces, they have a fresh start. And that's kind of, that would be a really nice, I like going into places when I go somewhere and there's a degree of my job that's undefined. So I get to carve it out and make, do it what I do with it, what I want. Um, the space force has that opportunity, right? They have some, obviously some, some carryover from the air force, but they're not beholden to it. And so curious to see, especially on a smaller scale, they're probably going to run a bunch of experiments in how the, for organizational structures and processes. And I think that might inform the air force as far as what changes can we do. So in other words, they'll do the small scale experiment and then we get to expand upon it and hopefully apply the, the best lessons learned or the best practices within the air force. So that's really cool. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm curious to see how that's going to expand out. Um, they also had like 300 something officers enlisted join the, uh, um, uh, join the space force. So I think that like doubled the entire space force in like the span of two minutes or something like that. Pretty cool. Um, some of the things, 
that I got from, I am going to have to read the Space Capstone publication, uh, Space Power, Doctrine for Space Forces. Again, I place that as just professional reading that all of us should be aware of. Even if you're not a, you're not a space professional, you're an airman, you should read that just to make sure where is the Space Force he, uh, heading. General Raymond did mention, he said, we may not have gotten perfect, but we have this as a start. And I like that. It's, it's better than um, trying to wait for perfection. Um, he, he, he's excited to lead his team. Chief Toberman had, uh, he was also very much like uh, um, Chief Bass. He's open and willing to listen to everything from anyone. Um, uh, this is your service. He kept on harping that. And then he also said, uh, none of you should be managed when you should be led. It's pretty good, right? It's just an idea of where um, we owe it better at the at the leadership levels to be, to actually be leaders. And so, um, and I think by coming from two, two different angles, being like challenging the leadership to do what they're supposed to be doing, what's right, and then challenging um, uh, the subordinates or the followers to be like, yeah, be active, be part of the conversation. That combination of everything should really drive like open and transparent communications to the point where like, oh yeah, this is how we can, maybe I didn't think about this, but this is a, the unique way we can solve this issue. Or did you think about this angle when you looked at the problem? Because maybe the problem is twofold. And if you don't address the second part, you're going to miss the entirety of, of delivering a long-standing solution. And so I, I, get, I get excited about that. I get excited when leadership is, is saying they want to hear from us. They want to just let us go. They want to get out of the way. Give us resources. Get out of the way. Um, I'll say that that level of excitement, I'm going to personally have to figure out how I can I'm going to use it, but how do I actually operate with that kind of mindset within a joint environment? Because not necessarily our airmen are going to, if you're not an airman, you may not even share these, these same kind of values. Um, and arguably, I think our, where I work at JVA should do it, and there's, a, there's a, a decent amount of risk aversion to the point where like we, and part of that is just the business, how we do it. But if the Air Force is stepping out in a, in a, in a bold direction and how do we? How do I take advantage of that as an airman? Maybe get insight on it, and then kind of advocate it and loop it into uh, our strategies and operations at JFH Doden with the cyberspace domain. So I, I, I haven't obviously I haven't come to that solution, but like I know that's something I need to keep on marinating on and thinking about because I want to take advantage of both both my position within Doden and then kind of that 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 swagger, that attitude, of that um, that mindset of being an airman. It's a very unique thing, and I and I buy wholesale into it, and I want to use that as an advantage as a creative teammate within um, uh, within where I work at on staff. Okay, so those are the big ones that I highly recommend if you if you watch them live or the recorded version of them live, it's it's uh, worth it. And then there's some other um, panels that I attended, and so I attended the leading during pandemic. Uh, what airmen need to excel. So this was a panel hosted by a, uh, a large amount of chief master sergeants. It was good. It just talked about like how they were, um, while they were impressed, they were not necessarily surprised to see how when the mission was still needed to get done, all the airmen, both officer enlisted, came together to develop the solutions to kind of get things done. They were also um, surprised how the uh, reliance on data solutions and how the teleworking thing wasn't that big a deal. They're also going to call in the question of like, how do we, what is our return, you know, return to normal or what does that mean when those decisions come about? But then how does that get balanced with airmen who are, you know, dual, uh, dual working uh, spouses or whatever it is. Like those things are stuff that we have to, we have some options. And I think what, what I took away is that the leaders out there need to understand those options and apply them. There's no one solution that's going to solve it all know your airmen, and then figure out the solution that makes sense for them. By having that sense of compassion, having that sense of caring for them, you're going to get better results. And that, that's a, it seems 
to me, it seems kind of obvious for there, but like apparently you have to say that out loud because some people don't necessarily agree with that. They want to hit the easy button like, nope, everybody has to work this schedule. And then you don't have to confront these one-on-one -on -one things that do take time, right? Those, those conversations take time. And so if you're not willing to put in that work, arguably you're not doing the job that you should be doing as a, uh, as a good leader. Um, Another one was the diversity and racial challenges in the Air Force. And so this had um, several uh, retired generals and also had Chief Bass on there. Another good one. I've heard some of these stories and I'm trying to figure out. I know there's some new um, teams and task force with diversity and inclusion. I may have to reach out to some people and see how I can. I don't know. I just like the idea of where can I help? Maybe there's something even within um, DISA and JVH doing that can be part of that smaller scale. But like those ideas, I think just making sure that we figure out ways to um, uh, using some of the you know the military uh, sometimes is experimental how we choose to do uh, racial and social justice kind of solutions and so if there's something that's going to be applied i just i'm just curious to see where we're going to go with that but that was another one that's just sharing stories of as far as being um that the stuff does happen in the air force whether you knew it or not and just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't happen right it, it does happen and so how do we make sure that we take a stand as a, as a team and say this is unacceptable behavior and let's try and advance forward both diversity and thought and and minimizing or outright eliminating some of those uh racial biases that we have uh, uh we may have when we come in the air force but it doesn't mean you can't change for the better so um, information warfare. So this is the one of uh, information warfare and joint all domain command and control. Both of those seminars, not lying. I'm going to have to watch them again. There are so many good things that they were talking about. Um, information warfare. I thought it was going to be, well, looking at the panel, I'm like, okay, this is going to be all my type top cyber, um, leaders talking about we're going there, but they expanded it. They talk about information warfare They talked about the strategy of Intel, the strategy of public affairs and combat weather and the, the combination of all those and how, how that in, in the information domain, um, is critical for not even the future, uh, the fights now, but the fights of the future. So I have to keep track of where I'm, where I've been sitting at in JVX Doden, it's been hard for me to keep up with some of the Air Force kind of initiatives going on, and so I have, I have more homework after this. I have to go research a, a couple more things just to make sure it's important for me to see where the Air Force is going, even while I work within a joint domain, and then joint uh, joint all domain command and control, a JADC two, and so uh, I, I'm interested to see how, in relation to the Advanced Battle Management System (ABMS), and so there's this I, this is where part of the things is like how does this how where should I be pushing this forward? Even though it's a, you know, the Air Force is the primary um, uh, uh, leader as or advocate, whatever you want to call it, for this program. How do I make sure this gets aligned within JFHU Doden's um, um, priorities, right? And so instead of just trying to, if, if someone's already far ahead, how do we make, how do we you know, kind of get on that train and ride that one versus trying to create our own train, right? And so the idea of where's the Air Force going and then knowing that um, we're also going to get it was recently announced last week. Uh, Major General Skin Major General Skinner is going to come back, and will will be the new uh, DISA director and commander of JVXU Doden. So I have another airman at the at the helm. Uh, last time that was it was Lieutenant General Hawkins, and so looking forward to General Skinner coming on board. But again, that that's just one of those kind of things. He's always going to have certain airmen airman centric things in his head going on. So how do I get myself prepared to be like, yes, sir, here's how I can see this align and how we can we can we can get DISA and JVXU Doden going in the same direction as the Air Force. And so uh, I have more homework I need to do for that. Uh, culture collision and talent management. And so there is, I'm not going to read all the notes because there's, there, there's a lot of notes, but uh, I'll put them in the, um, not the, ep the, the full episode description. But there's a lot of good stuff in there as far as how um, 
we need to make sure talent management and uh, force management are not afterthoughts anymore. It is definitely a thing of how do we, we retain and develop the right airmen for the right uh, reasons. And part of that is making sure that we have, we, there was some talk and I was interested to hear some of the generals were saying there was a question, even though we're in the air force, do you foresee the chief of staff, of the air force potentially not being a pilot? And then they're like, yes, I do believe that can happen sometime in the future. And it's just, it's, it was refreshing to hear that because, you know, there's a lot of, even for me as a cyber professional, um, there's all the stuff we're trying to move in cyber and trying to create, not necessarily carve out our own things, but I'm like, you remember we're in the Air Force though, right? We're not in the cyber force. And so we have to make sure that our effects and everything that we do is in support of uh, um, uh, our service and in the Air Force. And so the idea of how do we develop and see more diversity at the top ranks of not just pilots, but like all from different um, uh, um, disciplines, because again, the pilots are a smaller percentage of the Air Force at, as a whole. And so where do we get where do we get to see ourselves on the wall as far as representative? I'm not talking. Yes, there, there's a degree of, you know, uh, racial and gender kind of diversity, but we're also talking functional diversity. Where can like the right people, the right time um, and that was another thing. There was a, I forget which panel it was. Was it this one? No, it wasn't the culture. It was the, I think it might have been the diversity and racial challenges. They talked about making sure, picking, yes, it was that one, picking the qualified person first. So as you're looking for senior leadership uh, positions, looking for the most qualified person, and once you, because that sets a tone for a professional organization. Once you have that smaller pool of, of um, uh, qualified professionals, if you have the opportunity to find some diversity within those things, just to get more different voices at the table, you should take that, you should take, take that choice of diversity because it just offers more solutions, right? The more, more mindsets, the more experiences, the more, um, a variety of inputs that you can truly get, that's where you're going to start unlocking some of those really good solutions that that just, um, if didn't have that, weren't given that chance, you would never would have heard them. And so, but it was important to say, make sure you pick from a qualified um a qualified pool of personnel. Uh, there, are the some of the retired generals were. They were saying they weren't. They didn't believe in quota systems. They believed in hiring the right person for the right time, uh, for the right reasons. And so that, I think that's important to say in the Air Force that we, we, we appreciate and value hard work. And so if you're going to be able to put out work and, and that output um, speaks for itself, that's the right kind of person we should be advancing, right? And you're not trying to uh, meet quotas or anything like that. It's just the work and our, um, our uh, not ethics, but like our work output and work metrics are going to be what's, what, uh, what matters most. And I think that does align with you know, how some of our evaluation systems are changing as well as um, how we are going to hopefully promote the, um, uh, the next uh, generation of leaders. So overall, that was a, I think that was the last one that I, yeah, that was the last one that I attended. So lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. I know this is a little bit longer episode because there was like three days worth of things, but it was well worth it. And I still have more reading and homework to do because that's what happened last time. When I went to this conference last time, it was a really good seeing old friends from Alaska and around and my functional community. But it gets it gets me pumped. It gets me excited to be like, how do I how can where's how can I contribute to making the Air Force better? And take it, like I said earlier, taking advantage of that like that attitude, that like mindset accelerate change or lose also found out amongst you know direct messages and other places general brown doesn't like the acronym acol he wants you to say it out loud even though he used it in his own paper don't worry about that if you're going to say it say the entire thing accelerate change or lose okay and so 
I'm going to do that. I'm going to uh, do more homework here, both not even from the Air Force things, but also reading reading good books like The Kill Chain. It was a really good book. And then uh, um, so far, but uh, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part. So I'm going to take some of my leave and just kind of do some more uh, personal personal thinking and marinating and hit the ground running, but return to work on Monday. And uh, um, yeah, middle part of September. And oh yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Air Force. Tomorrow is the 73rd birthday of the Air Force. I know you guys are going to be hearing this on Sunday, but I actually had to record some video portions um, for the 73rd birthday of the Air Force for Dissa JFX Udoden. So if you happen to be in that team, you're going to see this handsome face in the video. Um, yeah, that took me a long time to record those things. It would have been way easier just to do the cake cutting ceremony for like, I thought I was going to be an MC and just record the thing or just go somewhere. And then like the professional uh, PA people were going to take care of it like no actually that you had to I had to record all my things at home i had to do it in the living room i didn't want to have like my voltron and stuff in the back i had like a professional looking background and i kept on ruining like the script like i didn't want to i didn't want to read it because i've seen some people i can see them reading and something that that bugged me also throughout this conference when i can hear some it's almost like when you hear someone reading the slides when they're presenting to you I'm like i can read the slides too stop doing that so then it just it felt robotic and so when i was doing my uh delivery for the happy birthday video I wanted to do it fresh with no, like one take Jake. No, it was like 30 takes Jake. It was ridiculous. Um, but I, I understood this was going to be seen, you know, whatever in perpetuity, I guess. But like, I want to do a good job. So it took me a long time to get to that point. And I probably could have done better, but it is what it is. But in any case, uh, happy birthday, Air Force. Um, glad to be here. Looking forward to two more years until we had turned 75. And we are not the youngest service member, service anymore. That was kind of cool. I put that into the video as well. And so, uh, um, but yeah, going to be a great week. And then, uh, yeah, I got more studying to do. So I hope you guys will take care of yourself, take care of each other out there. I will talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Constant Elevation. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. Visit our site at constantelevation.co. Find and follow us on Facebook at constantelevation.co. And like and follow me on Instagram at, at gaybrock01. As always, don't wait for the future. Define the future.